0: Welcome to The Rise Podcast with Brandon Garland. If this is your first time listening, thanks so much for joining. Hope to provide some relevant, life-changing truth in a short episode. That's what we do. A little bit uh, under once a month is the goal. I've been less faithful than usual lately, Uh, but that's the goal. That's the hope of today and every episode. So if you enjoy what you hear, why don't you go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes going forward. If this is your first time, maybe go back through the collection. Maybe you'll find something that you like. Well, today after church, I uh, got a text from a friend and she said, dude, we need to be on our hands and feet. That's not true. She said, we need to be on our hands and knees for college students in America. The reality of how far from God college students are today hit me like a train. Absolutely wrecked me. I'm sure it's wrecked you too, but you're a prayer warrior. So I thought I'd text you. And the question I want us to talk about today is, what do we do about how lost the world is? It's a question that a lot of us have probably asked because the majority of us listening are people who would call themselves Christians. But for those of you who aren't, I want to say this is going to be a little bit different kind of episode, but maybe don't tune out and go listen to something else. I would say maybe listen to this through the, through the lens of, this is how Christians in your life, this is how much they love you. This is how much we want you to be in a relationship with God, not because we want to manipulate you into believing something you don't, but because we really believe that hope, peace, and life come only from one person. And it's the person who is hope, peace, and life. And that's Jesus Christ. But I think what she said is so true. Like this world we live in, especially, you know, people in my generation and and down, I have the privilege of being a student pastor. And some of the things that my students tell me, and even in middle school, it's like, really? People are offering you that? Or they're asking you to do that in sixth grade? And it's like the world has changed so much. But when my friend sent me that text, instead of doing what a normal person would do, which is text her back and say, hey, I love your heart for God and for people. I'm joining you to pray. Believe in God for breakthrough. I decided to make a podcast. And instead of responding to her text, I'm going to just send her the podcast. So you'll know uh, who you are when you get the text. Hallelujah. But really what God put on my heart when I received that text was three things. And there are three things I want to share with you. I think they might be helpful and practical, which is what I hope every episode is. I think one of the greatest sins is uh, to teach the Bible or talk about God in a boring way. He's not boring. He literally created everything. So if anything gives you entertainment, humor, or enjoyment, Uh, In some way, it finds its source in God. So he can't be boring if life isn't boring. And I know mine's not. Mine's crazy. I do want to make one quick note. It's a side note. But when my friend texted me this and she said, you know, this wrecked me uh, like a train. I kind of felt a little bit of shame because that's not always how I communicate with God. I have a good friend, one of my best friends. His name's Trey. And when Trey, he'll text me stuff like that sometimes about how things just hit him and overwhelm him and God just does that to him. That's just not always how my relationship with God is. I don't feel overwhelmed by an issue or just really hit with a person. That's not how God speaks to me. He speaks to me by giving me language and concise, clear communication around substantial issues that people face and putting it in a tangible package for them to take home with them and apply to their life. That's how God speaks to me. He gives me things like that. And if I'm comparing how God speaks to me with how God speaks to you and thinking that the way he speaks to you is better than how he speaks to me, I'm constantly going to feel like I have a less high quality relationship with God. Or on the other hand, if I'm being arrogant about it and I think, oh, this is this is the way it's supposed to be and, and you hear from him in kind of a different avenue. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like if you're not an only child, the way your parents relate to you is probably a little different than how they relate to your siblings. He's the same father, but he's going to speak a little differently to his children because His children are different too. So if I can just give a word of encouragement, I feel like that's for somebody. Don't look down on the way God speaks to you. Maybe he speaks to you by telling you how much of a beautiful painter he is when it's a sunset and you want to start playing Pink Skies by Laney because it's such a beautiful pink sky. Maybe that's how he speaks to you is talking about how he's an artist and you feel like you're a corny, cliche Christian talking about how the sky is pink and God is good. Well, how he speaks to you is how he speaks to you, so don't be ashamed of it. I don't get wrecked by things a lot of times, but God gives me words for things that he doesn't give to other people, and I'm content with it. So that's my encouragement for you. Be content with how he speaks to you, but let's dive into this topic. What do we do with how lost the world is? And God gave me really three things. They start with the letters A, B, and C. So these are the ABCs of how we deal with the fact that the world is so lost. Here's A. Let's acknowledge let's acknowledge that this isn't new. Uh, It is new for us in our context because we have had a society that is relatively Christian for a long time. I mean, we've made peace with some interesting moral issues under the name of Christianity throughout the uh, centuries of this nation. That's not the subject of this podcast, but we, we've been relatively morally shaped by uh, a judo-Christian worldview. So as we kind of lead away from that, and this is not what I normally do talk about worldview. That's not the subject of my podcast or sermons very often, but it, it is worth saying that as this country and this society does begin to shift away from that a bit, um, and, and there are much different kinds of worldviews and there's confusion around things like sexuality and people. a lot of people would say there's no such thing as truth. It's kind of whatever you think. Let's acknowledge we don't have to look anywhere crazy to find those kind of ideas. We can look literally in the book of Acts, when the church first started, uh, it, within the church, the Christians, there was a dude who was sleeping with his mom. That is some serious sexual confusion. I don't even, I haven't heard news stories about anything like that, even as crazy as it is in the society we live in. Uh, there were many different gods, so polytheism was extremely common. And there was actually an inscription to one of those saying to an unknown god. So there was very much a relativism in what's going on. So a lot of the things that we're seeing now, I'm not saying it's not legitimate because it is a, a noticeable change in our society and our time. Where we live, but it's not new to God and it's not new to the people of God. So let's acknowledge this is different, but in the grand scheme of what we've seen throughout the history of God's people, it's not that different. Number two, let's, let's believe. Let's do what my friend said in her text and we need to be on our hands and knees for the next generation. Like, let's not just be like, oh yeah, there's a lot of lost people, but It's okay. God will save them if he's going to save them. Like, that's not, that's not good. That's not biblical. I think uh, it's a privilege. This is how I view prayer. It's a privilege to be an investor in the story God is writing in people's lives. So, if I go buy a stock of Apple and Apple makes X amount of money, I now have a return on that investment. The same way when I pray for you, then when God answers that prayer and brings the breakthrough in your life, I now have a return on that investment because I sowed faith and prayer into that breakthrough. So I think in the same way, what do we do? We sow faith, we get on our knees and pray for God to bring revival. We don't just use revival like a buzzword to get crowds on their feet and get excited about or to remember what God did in the past. The same God who did it in the past is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the alpha, he's the omega. So if he did it then, he can do it again. There's no reason that God can't stir up souls in this nation and beyond it uh, to faith in him. There's no reason why widespread Conversions cannot happen in this country in this time. Why not us? Why not now? Let's believe. Let's spend some actual time. There was a story of um. I think I think there was a story. I know there there's a story. He was a great man of faith. I'm gonna blink on his name, but great man of faith uh, from about 150 years ago, who was a major um, a major man in a, in a certain university, Christian university. And he prayed in the same spot every day, so much that there were knee holes in the ground where he would pray. And one day, a man named Billy Graham was in the same office where that, that great man of faith used to pray. And Billy Graham dropped right down to his knees in those knee holes from the old man of faith. And he prayed, Lord, use me too. And as we can, we can all see, God did it. Here's my point. What if we all spent a little bit less time doing what we all do, watching Netflix, scrolling, all the things we do that aren't sinful or bad, but maybe they take up a little bit too much time. And what if we prayed so much that there were some holes in our carpeting, there were some indents in our floors from how much we were on our hands and knees believing God to do something mighty, miraculous, and unimaginable in our day today. And and don't just make this a, uh, I'm believing for the salvation of America. Like God puts specific people in your life who don't know God so that you specifically can believe for their salvation. You have someone in your family, someone in your friend groups, someone at your workplace, and God doesn't just have them there like, oh, cool. They don't know Jesus. No, like you're there to be the person who introduces them to Jesus. At the very least, you're there to be the person that believes by faith that gets on your hands and your knees and says, God, you've saved people before and this person's no different. Would you do it again? Let's acknowledge, hey, this is crazy, but it's not that crazy. And let's get together and let's believe that God can do it. Not just on a widespread scale, but to your neighbors, but for your dad. For your siblings, for your friends, for your coworkers, believe big and believe broadly for our nation, but also believe for the people in your life. Let's believe together for the next generation and for all those who don't know Jesus. And then three, this is crucial. This is everything to me. Is the church? Let's build the church. Let's let's do what Jesus said was the only foolproof strategy, which is that the gates of hell. There's only one thing they're not going to overcome, and that's the church. I love the fact that Jesus's plan A without a plan B was us. I mean, it's unthinkable. The, the scoundrels and um, lack of faith, lack of theological training, lack of a proven track record people, Jesus left his church in the hands of. and But he left it in the hands of people a lot like us. And he said, hey guys, as long as you're building this on the rock of who I am, you're not going to fail. And I think I really am still crazy enough and naive enough to believe that the local church is still the hope of the world. And that, yeah, people might not be uh, having it on their agenda of, I wonder where I'm going to go to church today. It's move-in day. I'm going to college. Where's my church? They're thinking about a whole lot of different things that they're looking for on a weekend. It's not a Sunday service. But just because they might not be looking for a church home the way people might have used to in the past in our nation, they're still looking for hope. They're still looking for peace. They're still looking for joy. And they're still looking for community. That's the hope of the world that the church provides is we have an answer to the questions. We have an answer to the pain. We have an answer to the questions. We, we have a, a community to meet the need that people have for belonging. I love how it says in Acts chapter two, that they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles and the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and everything to give to anyone in need. They every day met in temple courts together and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So notice that. They uh, devoted themselves to hearing preaching from the Bible. They uh, spent time together, fellowshipping, breaking bread. They prayed together. They saw God moving powerfully together. And they live generously. And now watch what happens in verse 47. That the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. And what's interesting to me is there's no record of an evangelistic strategy of engaging the lost by having a conversation, uh, finding random people on the street in your city and just talking to them about God. That wasn't the strategy. The strategy is let's build the church. And if we build the church, People are going to give their life to Jesus because they're going to see a community of people, a group of people gathering together with so many things like peace, like joy, like love, like compassion that they don't have. And they're going to think to themselves, man, I want to be a part of something like that. I look at a passage like Acts chapter six, verse seven. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And this happens right after they make a structural change in the church. So when the church gets stronger, the world gets reached in a bigger way. I think really one of the reasons why people are so lost right now is because the church is so weak right now. We have churches defending politicians saying things that are reprehensible instead of preaching the Bible. We have people taking sides on issues when Jesus didn't call us to take public sides on political issues. He was never building the kingdom of man. He said, I have a kingdom I'm inaugurating. Don't focus on building Rome or Israel. Focus on building the kingdom of God. And when you build my kingdom with my spirit, you're going to reach people for Jesus. That's his whole strategy. One more, Acts chapter 16 Verse five. So the churches were strengthened in faith and they grew daily in numbers. It's the same thing. As the churches got stronger, their numbers got bigger. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. Go to a church that you're proud to invite people to. Go to a church that you are proud. Don't, don't go to a church that if you had a, an off, an off, uh, maybe not quite the um, the norm for that church. They dress a little different. They look a little different. Um, they're not going to be welcome. Don't go to that church that looks down their noses at everybody, even if you're not that way. Because when you go to a church like that, you're now preventing yourself from inviting people to experience the life-transforming presence of God and the community of God simply because you're going somewhere they can't come. I, I went to a church at, at, a, at a certain time in my life where, to be honest with you, Uh, Any gay friend that I had, any transsexual friend that I might've had, they could not have come to church with me. Not because any pastor would have told them they were a terrible person or because Um, we would have had some sign on the wall, not none of that, but because the culture of the church was look down their nose and judge people. And I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just saying, I can't go to a church like that because I need to be able to invite people to see the hope of the world. That's the church of Jesus Christ. And if I'm not going somewhere, I can invite anybody and everybody to, then what's the point? What's the point? Here's what I believe is that if we invest deeper in our churches, they will grow bigger. And here's what I mean by that. Not just by spending time in the church, at the church, but by being the church. The church, I hate when people say the church isn't a building because there has always been an element, biblically, of the church meeting together in a location. But ultimately, we are a people. And here's the deal. If the church as a people grow together, deepening our faith, loving each other, here's what I believe, that the community we're a part of will attract people to it. Because even if people aren't seeking church, they're still seeking hope. They're still seeking truth. They're still seeking forgiveness and absolvation from their past mistakes. They're still seeking the purpose that their life isn't meaningless and they're not here for no reason. And people aren't answering those questions very well right now. The world is lost. The next generation, people that are moving on to a college campus today for the first time, they're they're probably as lost as any generation we've ever seen in this nation. But here's the thing we need to remember as the church they're still seeking the same things that Jesus is offering. And you and me, as the church of Jesus Christ, have the privilege of offering the same hope, the timeless hope of the gospel two people. It might have to look a little different. It might not be as easy as just saying, Hey, come sit by me at church. You might have to get creative. Like my girlfriend did. She's going to start making a place in her home for girls to just come and hang out. There's not going to be a Bible study. There's not going to be a worship set, but they're just going to come hang out. Why? Because that's going to be a place where people can just come find community. And then through that, they can get plugged into a church experience, God's presence, and maybe just maybe their life can be transformed. But what's not going to change it is just looking at it like a stat, freaking out and doing nothing. What's going to change it is, hey, let's acknowledge God's done bigger things before. Let's believe together. Let's do what my friend said. Let's get on our knees. Let's make some holes in our floors because we pray so much. And let's build the church. Let's be the church. Let's build the church. And I believe that when we do what God called us to do, what is it? Matthew 28, go therefore unto all the nations. And make disciples of them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you to do. When we do that, watch this. And behold, I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. God always gives grace for the things that he gives you to do. This is what we're here for, my friends. The lostness is big. The darkness is dark. But I still believe the church is the light of the world. A city on a hill that can't be hidden. So let's be the church. Let's believe for breakthrough. And I'm excited to see maybe even in the next 5, 10 years. Why can't God bring revival? I reject the idea that we're going away and away and away from faith. God can swing anything. If he can bring resurrection to a body, he can bring resurrection to a nation. I speak and believe it. And I'm working towards it. I know you're doing it too. Let's see what God can do through us in Jesus' name.